Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood, gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024, you heard me? Woo woo! Gangsters! The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's gonna be man, nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody. Nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up. You heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hey, look, you guys, I'll take the baby steps. I think baby steps are significant. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program. CNN hits lowest ratings in 30 years among core age group. Yes, people are done. Your shows suck. Your people are biased. The information you present is propaganda. Everybody knows it. Why would anybody watch? And they're not. This is huge. On Sunday... Only 43,000 viewers, age 25 to 54, tuned in. This is according to Nielsen data cited by the New York Post. They brought in fewer viewers in that core age group than it has had for more than three decades. Just a few weeks before a new CEO, Mark Thompson, is set to start, according to the New York Post. I'm going to roll the dice and say nothing's going to change. It's going to be the same old, same old, right? You guys have lost 90% of your viewers and advertising dollars since Donald Trump left. All you can hope for is that you can cling on to relevance in some capacity in liberal circles until 2024. It's all you can hope for. Last weekend, the media giant saw its lowest ratings since 1991, the earliest readily available data. The Post reported using data from media research from Group Nielsen. 43 43,000 people. Come on. Among all demographics, CNN brought in fewer viewers, 345,000 than competitors Fox News and MSNBC, which brought in 683 and 424, respectively. And, and who's this guy who's taking over as the new the new head, the new grand hierophant of CNN? I sure hope it's somebody who's going to shake it up, right? Somebody who's going to look outside the box and be like, you know what? Uh, we've been taking our marching orders from, from people in the administration for so long. And now everybody's on to us because it was so clear during COVID that we suck. And now everybody sees it. And it's got to be somebody who's really dazzling, right? So who is this guy? Come on. The former New York Times CEO? You're just shuffling one piece of suck to another spot. 
And they're going to expect it to change. This is fantastic. Set to start October 9th. Well, this is me <gasps> holding my breath, thinking anything is going to change at CNN. Well, it's, it's not, and that's just fine with me. There was, this, there was a case. There was a murder mystery in Arizona back in the year 2000. Now, I didn't remember this case. But all of this amnesia that these people like Merritt Garland, Christopher Ray, other people who've been called to testify, who stonewall and slow walk, who can't ever answer a question, who can't be pinned down, who can't just tell the truth, who can't just represent the brand that is their version of America. Look, if your version of America is destruction, it's it's pushing something that's unsustainable in a, in a climate agenda of suck that everybody knows is is predicated on the lies. Like if you can't get up and you can't defend that, and you think that that pretending you 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 don't know, I don't know, I don't remember. Ask any prosecutor in the world; they'll tell you it is the singular worst defense. So and so, can you tell us what happened? What is that? What I can't remember. I have no memory of that. All of a sudden, as Victoria Sparks said, we have people in the administration and their minions in the DOJ, FBI, et cetera, et cetera, who have no recollection. How many FBI agents undercover actually were there at the Capitol? I, I don't know if there were any. You don't know if there were any because you said that there were some before. And now you're saying that there's not. You don't know. You might have just perjured yourself, sir. Well, I, I have no, I don't recall what I'm supposed to say about that. I don't have my cheat sheet in front of me. I have no idea what the, what the prescribed answer was that I'm supposed to give you. Well, this case was really weird because it involved a husband and wife. They live in Arizona. Pretty traditional family. Church-going family, kind of active in the community, big in the religious side, believe they were part of the Latter-day Saints, so Mormons. Two kids, son, daughter. And at the time, in the year 2000, the son was 12. Daughter, I believe, was younger. And it was a very strange story. Apparently, the, the husband stabbed to death the wife and then, and then put her in the pool. Like, took her body and, and basically put her in the pool, held, held her down, and she died. Then the police come. He's back inside the house. Police come. Get into the house. He comes to the top of the steps, and he's like, why? What, what's going on? And the police are like, who's home? Who's home right now? And he says, well, I am my wife and our two kids. Apparently, he'd been sleepwalking. He was sleepwalking when he stabbed viciously dozens of times his wife. Now, a neighbor heard her, the wife, moaning and looked over the fence to see the husband drag his wife, put her in the pool and held her and hold her head down. She's the one who called the police, the neighbor, right? Oh, my gosh. Guy says he has no memory of it. Absolutely none. Children have no recollection of anything happening. They were asleep. 12-year-old boy said years later he, he went to bed with his family intact. 
a happy 12-year-old boy. And he woke up with both of his parents gone. Mom brutally, savagely murdered. Dad accused and sent away for prison. And he's been in prison ever since. And when interviewed later, friends of the wife were like, she loved him. Absolutely loved him. Never said a bad word about him. There was nothing that would ever have suggested that something violent was going to happen. The kids had no idea. And neither did he. Because he said he was not aware that he had done it. Now, you could say to yourself all day long, that is just the weirdest story in the world. However, is that a defense to prevent you from being held responsible for your actions? You have eyewitnesses who watched you do it. You know, I'm sure at 2000, this is after OJ, they had to have DNA and all this stuff. So I'm sure, I mean, he's got to be covered in blood, right? And he has been in prison for the last 23 years. And recently, as recently as 2021, ABC News did a story with the guy, the sleepwalking killer. And he had basically said, I deserve to rot in prison. This is where I will be for the rest of my life. I have nothing to come out to. I have to live with this every day. I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but I'm guilty and I deserve to be nowhere other than here serving my life away in this cell hole in Arizona. And that's where he is. Now, if you think that's just weird as heck, yeah, a hundred percent. And now we have this media apparatus and Biden administration that believes saying to you, eh, I wasn't sleepwalking. I just don't remember. I don't recall. I don't have an answer for that. And I'm sorry, I, I just don't know. That that is an okay defense. This is what Hunter Biden claimed in his stupid memoir, A Beautiful Mind. He was so drugged out, man. He was so whacked on crack. He was so out there. He had no idea what he was doing. No idea with the gun. No idea with the laptop. I don't know. Might have been my laptop. Might not have been. I was wasted. I don't remember. Was a defense that they tried to push. And Brian Stelter, bless his heart, came out effusively. Oh, what a great book. Calling it extraordinary. I know I shouldn't do this to you. But since I had CNN on the mind earlier, I figured I might as well resurrect a little of this guy. Go ahead. Remember him? This is oh, gushing over over Hunter Biden, the drug addict. Go ahead. I'll tell you what, I've read a lot of memoirs. I've never read a memoir uh, like this one before. This is Hunter Biden's book, Beautiful Things, that comes out on Tuesday. It is extraordinary. You know, you've heard about Hunter Biden over the years. You've heard all the tabloid coverage of Hunter Biden. You think you know his story. We know that right-wing media is obsessed with him. Fox News always uh, targeting him. And there are real questions to ask, including about that laptop uh, that CBS uh, is probing, uh, that CBS asked Biden about in an interview that's airing uh, today and airing again tomorrow. But this book, this book about addiction, about how many times Hunter Biden could have died, the president's son... It's breathtaking. <laughs> mm. Mm. Brock, do you need a barf bag? Th this in there? is the, the the dog in the middle of the night getting you up from a dead sleep, right. which like is the flat. thought of 
Yeah. And it's they always barf on the carpet. It's never the hardwood or the tile. You're like, dude, honestly, please help me out. So can't believe he hasn't found a job yet. So Brian Stelter, oh, so it's amazing. It's breathtaking. This addict just being so high, he remembers nothing in his own defense, so can't be held accountable. Ladies and gentlemen, how could a man who has no memory of killing his wife go away for life and Hunter Biden, who I don't remember, have everybody in the media running cover for him? Well, there you go. Pay close attention to the I don't remember defense because it's a lousy one. It's the only thing they have left other than the visceral emotional reaction that Merrick Garland told you at the earlier part of the show. I can't believe that you would think anyone in my family got emotional. If you go emotional, lovey, we know that you're lying. Facts over feelings, y'all. You're tuned into the Wendy Bell Radio program back right after this. Oh, let's celebrate people who can't remember stuff, guys. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It's so ridiculous. There seems to be a real piling on of the white, middle-aged, straight man. Well, what is it about you guys? Why are you so dangerous to society? What is it that you represent that's so dangerous to the left? Because the piling on is huge. Donald Trump, obviously. Russell Brand, Tim Ballard. Ken Paxton. Did you guys see uh, Tucker Carlson sit down with Tim, um, with Ken Paxton, Attorney General, Texas, to hear the inner machinations of the ridiculous claims by Republicans in the Texas House without any proof, without any evidence, just because they wanted to get rid of probably the most staunch advocate for law and order in the United States in that capacity of Attorney General Ken Paxton. He's pushed back more than four dozen times with lawsuits against the Biden administration. He single-handedly is pushing back against the turning of Texas blue. Ladies and gentlemen, and he's correct, in his interview with Tucker, he says, if Texas goes, America goes. And he said something very important in this sit-down. He's just been exonerated. All 16 charges against him dropped because in today's day and age, if you're a leftist or you're a rhino, meaning you're part of the uniparty, and you want to get people who actually care about America, who believe in law, who believe in order, and who love this country, you need to carve them out of the way. And this is something probably fueled by Carl Rove, who's in with the Bushes, who wanted their nephew, George P. Bush, or whatever his name is, who lost mightily to Ken Paxton, who was reelected for a third term with an overwhelming response. How do you carve one of these people out? Well, you got to make up something about them, friends. If you can't find anything in a wiretap like they did with Donald Trump, you make it up, a la the Steele dossier. Make up some crazy allegations. Oh, he laid in a bed that that Michelle and Barack Obama slept in and had prostitutes urinate on him. What? That that passed muster for anybody ever? That was part of the Steele dossier. Similarly, in Texas, we're going to make up some allegations about him. And the Republicans, who are not Republicans, they are rhinos who are corrupt and complicit, complacent, suck there. 
wanted to carve out because they obviously have sold their souls to the bushes or to Carl Rove or to the powers that be there. And they want to carve Ken Paxton out of this whole equation. And Tucker Carlson asks him, look, you don't need this job. You and your wife do quite well. Why are you coming back, raring to go now that you've been allowed back in office, that you're allowed back in the capacity to file lawsuits and do what you were hired to do, what the people of Texas voted for you to do? You could have just walked away and been like, to hell with all of you. Why are you fighting? And Ken Paxton said something that I iterated earlier. If we roll over now and say, well, you know, I'm only, I'm only going to be here another 20, 30 years, whatever it's going to be, whatever, it's somebody else's problem. You're passing that buck on to our kids and grandkids. And if you don't believe that standing up and fighting in whatever capacity the battle hits your doorstep, whether it's at your school board, whether it's at your children's hospital, whether it's at your pediatrician's office, whether it's in your city or county government, whatever it is, if we don't Ken Paxton, if we don't do what the gun owners, gun owners of America did with response to push back against that New Mexico gun-grabbing governor, if we don't do that, if we just believe that our, our, our voices are nothing, because they tell you they're nothing, then we lose. This is why I believe what you are seeing with Donald Trump's popularity on the ground, grassroots, at a Dairy Queen, at a college fraternity house, at a local bar, at a hair salon, at a Chick-fil-A, what you are seeing is the representation of all of the people who feel like they don't matter, mattering. And that, my friends, is one hell of a beautiful thing. All right, so we're going to take you to Boston University, where if you get fired from your job and you happen to be black, that's called emotional trauma and abuse. Wait for it. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. This is one of those stories that would easily get lost in the news. But thanks to our friend, uh, state senator from Arizona, Wendy Rogers, she put this out while you were sleeping, dot, dot, dot. Here's your headline from slaynews.com. Phoenix mayor moves to enforce World Economic Forum's ban on meat, dairy and private car ownership. Wait, what? Phoenix mayor is getting behind Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum. Stupid commentary that it's bad for us to eat meat, drink milk, or drive our own cars. Do you not see how this is all going? Why is Ken Paxton a threat? Is it because he's a white middle-aged dude who loves his wife? No, not really. It's because he's not down with this. He believes in the law. He's an upstanding person. He's going to stand up. And fight back. And if we don't have safe and secure elections, which we do not by any stretch, then these hacks, like this Phoenix mayor, get to weasel their way into office like the governor there, Hobbs. Does anybody actually believe that that cat won? 
course not. Here's the head. Here's the story, though, and this should scare you because this is this is the not so quiet part out loud now for everybody to see. Wake up, Phoenix. I know we've got a lot of Arizona who tune into this program. The Democrat mayor of Phoenix, Arizona, Kate Gallego, has taken steps toward enforcing the globalist agenda of the World Economic Forum by moving to ban meat and dairy consumption and private car ownership in an effort to meet the radical claim goals of the green agenda. <laughs> Do you guys know what the what the green agenda claim claims are all about? To end world hunger. What the hell does that mean? How are you going to do that? Raise our taxes to end world hunger. To to fight against poverty. (laughs) These are totally nebulous, non-actionable or quantifiable objectives. Objectives that we can all get behind? Absolutely. Is anybody here like, yay, childhood poverty and hunger in the United States is higher than it's been in 20 years. Good job, Barack. I mean, Joe. Of course not. Gallego is apparently laying the groundwork to usher in WEF founder Klaus Schwab's 2030 agenda in Phoenix and apparently doing it quickly. The mayor has been working with the C40's city's climate leadership group, which is just another excuse to take your money, launder it through stuff that doesn't make any difference to the climate, to the world's temperature, to anything except makes your life more expensive and more inconvenient. Period. You guys vote for that in Arizona. Did she campaign on that? Did she say, I, Katie Gallego, I am going to go. I love Klaus Schwab. Mm, That man of mine. He is such a thought leader. I just love his ideas to stick it to people right here in the United States who are suffering already by by this communist organization we call the Biden administration. And we're going to take away your car. Where's the pushback? Wait, I hope it happens. The mayor's been working with this group for a while. Slay News recently reported C40 Cities is a collective of American cities that has signed a pact to meet the World Economic Forum's climate before 2030. This big agenda that cannot be at all provable. Globalist leaders around the world have agreed to ban the public from obtaining meat, dairy and private vehicles by 2030. Good luck with that. Oh, good luck with that. I hope the auto workers are paying attention. The C40 cities also requires limits on the number of items of clothing individuals can purchase each year. How does that manage the temperature? And will restrict members of the public to only travel by air once every three years. The organization is headed by billionaire globalist Democrat Mike Bloomberg. God, aren't these people who sucked for years coming back into these circles? Isn't it so illustrative of what we're up against? It would have sounded almost farcical six months ago for us to say, well, you know, they want to they want to take away your house, Lahaina. They want to take your property. Uh, They want to build it as they see fit. Uh, They want to take away what you own, including your children, which you birthed. And are responsible for legally, they want to be able to intercept them and create strange ideas in their minds, right? Prey on them as the vampires that they are. They want to take away your ability to be mobile, car, plane, 
and, and put you in a box, basically a box, where the temperature, the thermostat, the stove, uh, your ability to be clean, to wash your clothing, to be comfortable with a ceiling fan, all of this is controlled by a select number of people in the government. And if you use a little too much than you should, they're going to crack the whip on you and you're going to be punished. Oh, yeah? You want to go buy that bottle of wine? Oh, we don't think so. Nope. Oh, you wanted to travel. You wanted to get away for the weekend with your wife. No. Not allowed. We don't like how you've been living. We know how you ought to be living. We don't live that way, but we're rich, according to to Bill Gates. I give enough money, philanthropically speaking. It offsets the danger and damage that I do to the ozone with my hobnobbing around the world on my private jet. You, however, you little plebes, you will do as I say because that's the way this works. The Phoenix mayor making this play. Be aware of that. This is a fantastic story. So you remember the guy, Ibram X. Kendi? He's a woke activist. And he started this thing called the anti-racist, which means it's racist, anti-racist research center at Boston University. And he started this thing and the whole thing, the whole wake of George Floyd, just like how Black Lives Matter capitalized on this frenzy that the cops are gunning for black people. False narrative, of course, we know the facts. And so Black Lives Matter starts and they enrich themselves. Patrice Culler enriches herself to the tune of $100 million. Where'd that money go? We're too busy worrying about your $601 Venmo to your neighbor for their dryer, which you just bought. <laughs> so Ibram X. Kendi, this hack, starts this stupid anti-racist research center. I mean, if you think about it, just the name of it is dumb. Well, apparently it's not going so swimmingly there at BU. In fact, the university's confirmed that the center has had to lay off 15 to 20 workers. I know, isn't that a shame? Sort of like all these other businesses in this country where people fail to work or people realize that they were never qualified for the job because the job itself isn't really a job. It's a movement. It's an ideology. It's a narrative. And then when you're not making any money at it, you're like, well, nuts. Well, we're going to have to cut. Unlike the federal government, we have to cut. So former and current staff members have come out saying that the center has been at a very minimum poorly managed, that they've been subjected to all sorts of crazy harassing things like working weird hours and, and having to do things that they're not comfortable with there. Staff who worked there painted a far less diplomatic picture of the place than Ibram X. Kendi did, claiming Kendi was given too much power and that he mistreated those working for him. He infamously applied that white people should be discriminated against to tackle the horrific prejudice previously inflicted on black Americans. Because, you know, that tit for tat, that's totally reasonable in grown up circles of of science. Right. So the center opened at BU. During the turbulent summer of 2020, America's trying to figure out what's going on with George Floyd as that's being manipulated. Never let a crisis go to waste. Rahm Emanuel, smart, smart, smart guy. But some former and current staff told the Boston Globe, wait a minute. There are a number of ways 
that it got a little crazy here. They put too much power in the hand of this one dude, gave him millions of dollars, all this authority, and it's a terrible place to work. So this Boston University is like, well, you know what? We're going to, we got to cut this. Got to cut it in half. You got to let go 15 to 20 people. Did you guys know what the, what the response now is? But the workers who were let go, I'm going to say that they were probably all minorities. Why would you want a white person at the anti-racist center? Because we're told racism is baked into our skin color. Whether you're racist or not, you just don't know it. It's because you are. It's in your whiteness. It's inherent in who you are. That's the message. Well, these people now, black people who've been fired are like, wait a minute. These layoffs resort to employment violence and trauma. They're clutching their pearls and saying, you violated me. This, this is what we create when we don't call out insanity. When colleges and universities don't tell student ne'er-do-well activists who think it's okay to shout out and shout down Riley Gaines or, or to threaten her because she has the gall to speak out against trans men swimming against women as she experienced. If you have colleges and universities who are down with that, who don't nip that in the bud, who don't stop insanity before it metastasizes, this is what you get. I hope Boston University and all of its, all of its satellite campuses and all these other endeavors get sued to the bejabbers by these workers who say they've been discriminated against. You firing me is a trauma, they say. Do we or do we not have real problems in this country? We have urban decay, the likes of which is so difficult to navigate. Purposeful. The purposeful drug infestation and addiction and deaths of how many people in our country? We have millions of people. Tens of thousands every single day coming across and invading our borders. And every single news cycle, another person, another person from another country who ought not be here charged with murdering or raping or injuring an American citizen. We have children who are homeless, who don't have food, and we're worried about an anti-racism center. Where are our priorities? And why on earth would you ever send a child to Boston? Quick time out. When When we come back, I got a little... Tucker audio for you on why people love Donald Trump. It's uplifting. It will leave you smiling. And by golly, you deserve it. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. The people who are in the crosshairs of the dishonest, meaning those of us who tell the truth. Think about some of these people. Why was Tucker Carlson such a threat? Because he wants to tell the truth. Why is Tim Ballard from Sound of Freedom such a threat? Because he chronicled the true story of child exploitation and trafficking. Why, Why is he such a threat now? Because he wants to run for Mitt Romney's seat. And you know that he is a conservative. You know that he would not roll 
and be a rhino the same way Liz Cheney or Mitt Romney would be. And so it puts him in the crosshairs. Why is Ken Paxton such a threat? Because he believes in truth and honesty and the law and the Constitution. And all of these headlines bring me back to the one person who we always can depend on, who tells the truth the way we do, and that's President Trump. No matter how many times they've thrown stories at him, no matter how many times they've tried to plant evidence or create evidence or create a narrative that's indefensible, right? The same way they created evidence to try to impeach Ken Paxton. And his defense attorney was like, what, what kind of evidence did you bring? Well, we really don't have any. We just felt bad because he told us that we were rogue employees and that hurt our feelings. How's that any different than this Boston University group of people, the Anti-Racism Center, when they get carved out because it's an unsustainable business model and you hire the wrong people who are pushing a narrative that's not American and people aren't going to buy it anymore. The wave of that emotion has dissipated. It's gone back out to sea and it's now unsustainable. So we're going to make cuts. That's hurting my feelings. It's so silly. And the people who love this country and voted for Donald Trump and believe in making America great again and who believe in raising their children to the best of their ability because it's a hell of a job. And who get up every day and do the job and perform the work and aren't asking for extras and aren't making excuses and aren't flying the world in private jets. We are the threat. That's why the mayor of Phoenix has signed on to something insane to start the process of taking away from Arizonans their ability to drive a car or get one of the greatest sources of nutrition, meat and dairy. This is why around the world, the grab to steal farmers land. This is why Hawaii raises so many flags for so many of us. And why I say, is it a coincidence that all of these things happen just weeks after the governor signs away all sorts of prior laws saying, you know what, you're not allowed to develop on historic land. Well, we're going to get rid of that. And they think that you don't see it. Tucker Carlson said something very interesting, and I've got a video I want to end the show with. It's about a minute and 40 seconds long. And the crux of it that he says, people love Donald Trump because no one loves them. Not no one in their inner circles, not because of our families, but no one in government loves them. No one ever pays attention to them. The auto workers, all they want to do is be paid a commensurate rate. Pay me fairly, treat me fairly. It's not complicated. And yet it is. And so you are deserving of what I believe is a beautiful video, Tucker, on why, why Trump, why now, and why next November. Go. Millions of Americans sincerely love Donald Trump. They love him in spite of everything they've heard. They love him often in spite of himself. They love Donald Trump because no one else loves them. The country they built, the country their ancestors fought for over hundreds of years, has left them to die in their unfashionable little towns, mocked and despised by the sneering halfwits with finance degrees, but no actual skills who seem to run everything all of a sudden. 
Whatever Donald Trump's faults, he is better than the rest of the people in charge. At least he doesn't hate them for their weakness. Donald Trump, in other words, is and has always been a living indictment of the people who run this country. That was true four years ago, when Trump came out of nowhere to win the presidency, and it's every bit as true right now. Trump rose because they failed. It's as simple as that. If the people in charge had done a halfway decent job with the country they inherited, if they cared about anything other than themselves, even for just a moment, Donald Trump would still be hosting Celebrity Apprentice. But they didn't. Instead, they were incompetent and narcissistic and cruel and relentlessly dishonest. They wrecked what they didn't build. They lied about it. They hurt anyone who told the truth about what they were doing. That's true. We watched. America is still a great country, the best in the world, but our ruling class is disgusting. A vote for Trump is a vote against them. That's what's going on in this country. I just thought that was wonderful. And that was clearly from 2020 before the election then. And Donald Trump got 12 million more votes. And we're told, suck it up, buttercup. He lost. Right? My favorite line, relentlessly dishonest. That's what this is all about. If you speak the truth against the relentlessly dishonest, you are a danger. Well, I say, take my hand. Let's be dangerous together. See you tomorrow. Peace.